Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron, on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here in a new year. It's 2020. Hopefully a better year for the New York Giants, one that's going to be taking place without Coach Pat Shermer. He has been fired. Dave Gettleman, the general manager, he remains. And now the Giants move forward in the midst of a coaching search. So let's go over the Gettleman Shermer dynamic for a minute here to start. Uh, Pat Shermer gets fired, right? The Giants go four and 12. He essentially gets fired. The ownership comes out and John Mara says he essentially thinks they didn't win enough games. They could have won more games with this coaching and that's why Pat Shermer's out. And then they talk about the front office, Dave Gettleman. He survives in part because of some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes the last couple of years, what they say of uh, installing a new grading system. Um, what else? The installation or building up of analytics and their computer software system. So that's their reasoning. And now you have a general manager who's been here for two years and there's a 9-23 and 23 record. And he remains and the coach leaves. So you have to be honest when you look at that and it's saying, okay, we're blaming more on the coaching than we are on the personnel. Now they do put Gettleman on notice a little bit and they say he's got to hit a higher batting average, which I think we all agree he probably does. There's probably been a bit too too many misses and too many hits. And I've said this many times. I just thought that if you did one, you do the other. It was good to keep them aligned because if you see some of these other coaching searches around the league right now, you see – the coach influencing the general manager hiring. But the Giants aren't going to be like that. The Giants are going to be the other way around. Now, let's be fair. Dave Gettleman is not the ultimate final say on hiring a head coach. He's a voice in the room. but And I think this has always been the case, even the last one. Dave Gettleman had a voice in the room, probably a stronger voice then than he will this time. But the Giants' ownership makes the decision to me and always has on the head coach. And the general manager sort of is top advisor on these kind of moves. And that's kind of the setup the Giants have always had. They've had the head coach dealing with the coaching, the general manager dealing with the personnel and being the conduit to ownership, and then ownership dealing mostly with the general manager. Now things change, and it's probably going to change this time around, as Dave Gettleman has said, you know, if the if if they ask him and to cede some of his power and personnel or roster decisions to a new coach, that he'd be open to it. I think his line is whatever he's open to, whatever's in the best interest of the New York Football Giants. And I honestly, I don't, I don't disagree with him. I don't, I don't think he's uh, intentionally not telling the truth on this one. I don't think he would fight to death for the power in the end. I don't, I, I just don't see him. As being someone, that's that's what he's, you know, his be-all, end-all is. So, he's a personnel guy in the first place, right? So, his job, he, he, I think, takes joy in his primary responsibility being finding players. And they've done a decent job of that in the draft. Not great, because last year's draft, this, this, I'm sorry, we're in 2020. So, the 2019 draft, it looks looks good. Right so far. We'll see. Still early, but looks really good. Daniel Jones being the number one thing. Could work with that. 
The 18 draft, eh, so-so. The free agents, not so good. Right? There's been a, too many misses compared to hits in regards to free agents for Dave Gettleman. But I, like I've, and I've said this many times. My biggest complaint with him and with him staying, and this is why I would be a little scared. I don't like, I didn't like his reasoning for the, I didn't like the Leonard Williams trade in the first place. And there wasn't anything in the reasoning that he made that made me feel any better about it. The only reasoning to me that probably I could say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, I was open minded going in there thinking, all right, let's hear what he has to say. Let's see if he, what his reasoning is. And he turned out his reasoning was he wanted a look, an early look, to see Leonard Williams in the building, to see what he could do with the team. And to pay a price for that, to me, seems ludicrous. I think that's silly. You're paying a third and fourth, a third and fifth round pick to bring this guy in. Now, you can get a Leonard, you can get Leonard Williams actually probably in free agency. Unless they trade him to a team and that team resigns him, blah, blah, blah. Or you can get someone like Leonard Williams. Now, the only caveat here is if Dave Gettleman thought and the Giants thought that there wasn't another Leonard Williams out there, that this guy was so good, so disruptive, such a difference maker, that there are no comparable players like that that are probably going to be there in free agency. That would have made sense to me. That's not what he said. Maybe that's he can't come out and say that because he loses all leverage. But that would make sense to me. Now, we'll see in the end, because the likelihood is the Giants are going to resign him. They're going to try, at least. He wants to stay, that he says. Uh, but it's not going to be cheap. He's a good player in the NFL. He's right on the verge of free agency. That means you make a lot of money. You make more money, probably, than you're worth. Although, actually, you make what you what the, what the market says you're worth. But then you, you probably get more value as a free agent than what your play says you're worth. So that's the situation Leonard Williams is in. And that's the situation the Giants are in. They have to sign Leonard Williams now. They almost have to. Otherwise, they give up a third and fifth round pick for nothing. Literally nothing. Eight games of the guy in a lost season. In a lost season. So to me, it's not a good use of value. It's not a good use of assets. And if this was the only example for Dave Gettleman, then I'd say, fine, you know, you know, he... He made a questionable move. We'll see if it works out. We move on. But there's been other questionable moves in regards to asset management, right? We've sit, we've sat here. We've argued about the Saquon Barkley thing over and over. Uh, the Odell Beckham thing of signing him and then trading him or letting Landon Collins walk and not trading him before you were going to let him walk. Because, yeah, Landon Collins you get the third round pick for, and that's a year later which will be this year now, in regards to letting him walk and signing a big free agent contract. But the Giants didn't sign a lot of free agents last offseason. So they're able at least to accrue that third-round comp- compensatory pick. Now this year, I mean, he says, that's the thing with Leonard Williams. He says, worst case, we get a third-round comp pick. Well, that's only if they don't spend in free agency. The Giants are going to have 70 million dollars available under the salary cap. You would think, I mean, they're not going to go crazy, but they're going to sign some significant free agents. So they're not going to get a third-round compensatory pick for Leonard Williams. I'd be really, really surprised if that happened. So these are other factors to put into the equation here in regards to asset allocation, uh, game theory type stuff, and 
it just seems that the Giants are not making best use of the assets at their disposal. And that's my concern going forward. Now, Pat Shermer, he's not going to be part of that going forward because the Giants are looking for a new coach. So we have a head coaching search. And I'll get into some of the details later. I'm going to answer some of your questions in the Giants after dark. But real quick, from talking to people, I think going into the interview process, and of course, things change in the interview process. I mean, you're interviewing guys. You want to, you, you might be blown away by somebody. But going into the interview process, two of the people I think I believe near the top of the Giants list were Matt Rule and Mike McCarthy. I talked to people, and that's, that's the impression that I came away with. Right? And we'll see how that ultimately plays out. The interview is a huge part of the process, of course. Always is when it comes to these things. But those are two very intriguing candidates. Other people, Josh McDaniels is there. Uh, Wink Martin, Don Wink Martindale, the Ravens defensive coordinator is an interesting one. Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Chris Richard, the Cowboys, basically the Cowboys defensive coordinator, I think is title is Cowboys passing game slash cornerbacks or defensive backs coach and Joe Judge an interesting one Patriots special teams coach because I was once in Philadelphia covering the the Eagles and there was a special teams coach there at the time and his name was John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh was having trouble getting you know getting real looks and finally somebody gave him a chance Young special teams coach, real bright guy. You knew it from the start. You even just talking to him about special teams and stuff in general. John Harbaugh was an impressive guy. So, it, you know, it, it, that intrigues me. Joe Judge there is a special Patriots special teams coach. He's 38 years old. Supposed to be a really smart guy. That intrigues me. That's an interesting one. I would, that, I, I would love to be a, a fly on the wall for that interview. I also would love to be a fly on the wall in the conversations between Steve Tisch and John Mara leading up to this decision-making process. Because there was a lot of buzz that Dave was in trouble, and he even admitted it. He was in trouble. His job was on the line. And he sat there, and he told him what he's been doing and pleaded his case, and the two owners came out, and they came away saying, you know what, we'll give him another chance. We're not going to give Pat Shermer another chance. We didn't like what we saw there. But we're going to give Dave Gettleman another chance and let him play out this process a little more. And the Giants should be better this year. They have all this money to spend. They're picking in the top six again. They got the number four pick this year. So there's a lot to work with. You have a quarterback who should be better in his second year. You never know. Baker Mayfield kind of went backwards. But you should have that. And so this is where the Giants sit on I'm taping this on January 3rd, right? Heading into wild card weekend. This is where the Giants sit. Worst team in the league since 2017. Looking for their third coach in four years. They're out there looking. They're in the midst of a coaching search. And with that, let's move to our special guest. On to the next one. All right, since we have a lot to unwrap here, right? We have a a head coach who was fired, a, a general manager who stayed, a coaching search in progress. Who better to bring on than the legendary Chris Mortensen, ESPN NFL insider extraordinaire? You know, you know who he is. He, he's on top of everything. 
How you doing, Chris? Happy New Year to you to start. Jordan, Happy New Year to you. Uh, I appreciate and, uh, that. Doing, doing well. Doing well. Good. I, I, watched, I did watch uh, Dave Gettleman's press conference with uh, great attentiveness the other day and found it very entertaining. So, yeah, let's start with that then. What did you? What do you take from that? Ooh. I well, I, first of all, I enjoyed it. I actually thought it was almost a clinic on how to give a proper press conference to a New York contingent, media contingent. Because as you know, you guys are not easy to deal. With. <laughs> that I know for sure. <laughs> and, I mean, and and I almost wish Bill Parcells would come back in time so it would be even more entertaining. <laughs> uh, that being said, I, you know, listen, I thought Dave did really well. I mean. You know, people will pick on things. And listen, as he noted himself, there have been mistakes made by him. I haven't met a good general manager who didn't admit his mistakes. Chris Ballard of the Coast, who I think is at the top of the line. Uh, Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame general manager, told me, you know, he basically batted 400 if you really looked at his record. And, uh, you know, the the really good ones will, will admit their mistakes. And, uh, and and be transparent about it. I thought Dave did a good job about that. Some people kind of harping on what he called the analytics people, the computer guys. Well, what what do analytics people do? They right. put data in a computer. Yeah. And then you, you, you evaluate it. You and know, he was way, actually talking about they're building a back end of their software for their scouting system. That That's actually what he okay. was referring to at that time, which is it, it just didn't come off right. It's just an easy thing for people to pick on. It makes a good yeah. joke. You know, it's, it's a social media Easy one of those things, sort of like when he when he did the fake keyboard thing on, at the draft. So, yeah, yeah I agree with you. You're, that you're that's right. that's a you're real right. minor thing. I mean, you have to, that that's yeah. a minor thing in, in the in the big landscape of everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, listen, Bill Parcells' analytics were a, a, a college quarterback should have thirty starts before you draft them. But that's <laughs> analytics. Bill right. looked at the you know, so. Uh, but yeah, no. But still, the Giants have a lot of things going on. You know, as they as they look for a coach. And now it fits with Gettleman and, you know, the vision going forward in terms of putting together mistakes made and, and the vision going forward. All those things seem to be covered. And, uh, and, and yet, you know, even though you, you admit to them doesn't necessarily mean you have all the answers. You, you think you may have some answers, but you, you don't know, have all the answers until we see it play out on the football field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, he's got Daniel Jones and that's a big piece. I mean, when I talk to yeah. people around the league and, People in the coaching candidate world, like that's a huge piece. I mean, that makes the Giants attractive. I mean, that, that that's like probably right near the top of the list of what people are looking for—a good young quarterback. And people around the league seem to think that. So, aside from that, are you surprised with how the way it shook out, though, with the fact that Pat Shermer gets fired? He essentially takes the blame. The Giants say they should have won. They thought they should have won more games with the team that they have. And Dave, as the other one, ends up staying. They say he's doing, implementing all these things behind the scenes, new scouting, grading system, and you know that that, that they need to see that play out. So, are you surprised that that is the way that this all played out after you know what the four wins after a season with five wins? Yeah, I was not surprised. Now, one of the things that go down and the negative column for Dave is. He obviously hired a coach that did not did not win football games. That right. is, and I realize the ownership, uh, you know, stamps the the approval on the head coach hire. But uh, obviously, Dave had great influence upon that. And with Pat, uh, who I've known a long time, it didn't work out. And you, you could hear things about, oh, maybe there was enough energy in the building, uh, you know, the presence before the team, 
you can find a lot of different reasons. You know, you may be an adult in the room, but is the is, is the energy and the presence radiate throughout the team? Uh-huh. And it's a young team. It's uh, and I thought it was that was one part that I thought was really interesting about uh, Dave's press conference was the acknowledgement that you know maybe college guys, guys who with college experience, have to be looked at. Uh, more closely because of the age of the player that is coming into the league. I think there's some truth to that, even though the college game still does not transcend to the pro game. There's a lot of, a lot of college guys who are not, you know, you know, it, it's a difficult transition for at certain positions. Right. Do you look at the Giants organ, the Giants organization, the Giants job and still, I mean, John Mara admitted it, it, uh, you know, they've lost a little luster. You know, for the they were known as this organization that was run real well, and the last couple of years have kind of put a dent in that. You still think in this coaching search? What do you think? Actually, what do you think the perception is? I think perception amongst the community that matters, which is the coaching community, right? Is that it's, it's still a five star type of job. And, and really? now the key for some okay. of these coaches is going because the quarterback's in place, and nobody's right. complaining about having Saquon Barkley as a running back. Nope. Uh, you know, so, but at the same time, there's work to be done. Now, the key is if you're going to get, and let's just throw out, let's say Matt Rule, the Baylor coach, or, or uh, you, know, what, you know, Josh McDaniels, or okay. any of those names, Mike McCarthy, Chris Richards, have yeah. Mike McCarthy, Chris Richard, uh, Richard, you know, I said Richard, Eric tonight. Bieniemy. Uh, I, I will say that. this: they're going to want to have. Uh, you know, listen, one of the things they have in leverage that Dave appears to be willing to yield on is if for some reason they want roster control, control of the 53-man roster. And there is a model that's, that is, you know, you know, pretty, pretty encouraging that suggests the coach should have control of the 53-man roster. But it's all, but Dave's not wrong when he says everything is collaborative. I do think the Giants are in the mess they are in that comes, goes back to the foundation of, uh, you know, the, the post Ernie Acorsi era. There was a period there, I, and I don't, I'm just going to grab a number out of the air a little bit. 2010 or whatever, when all of a sudden you've seen some drafts that really did not create a strong foundation, uh, going forward where it needs to be set. And that is in the offensive and defensive lines, especially. Right. And, uh, and obviously quarterback. And I thought Eli Manning was actually operating, uh, handicapped somewhat because of those matters. And, you know, when the Giants won their Super Bowls, listen, you didn't have to find – you've spent the number one pick on the quarterback and you spent the number one pick on a running back. So the pass rushers, the edge rushers, and obviously there's still linebackers and, and, and the back end you got to fix, uh, and the offensive line. It seems like so much to fix. But <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, found, you found Michael Strahan in the second round as an organization. You found Osir Miura as a second rounder as an organization. You found Justin Tuck as a third rounder. As an, in the organization, those things have to happen, uh, and I think the coaches still see this as an attractive job if, if if Gettleman is willing to conform to their own vision. Right? Do, do you think? And you think that's going to be a big thing in this? I mean, it sounds like it. This is going to be a big thing in this uh, interview process that people are going to. It's going to be like a push and pull of see how much, you know, see where the power kind of falls. I think it. I think it will be a a, a fair part of the process yeah i mean i think that they're going to the, the coach is going to want to know exactly hey if we have a disagreement about a player or how this team's construct uh you know if i don't have a strong voice here and even uh you know some power uh then that that might chase off a couple of these candidates but then we're also assuming that mike mccarthy 
is is not one of the favorites for the job. And I, I don't know if they have a favorite. I think they truly want to go through the process. Right. Maybe I'm being naive on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think – what do you know – how much do you know about Matt Rule and you, you think he ends up making that jump, whether it's the Giants or the Panthers or whatever, but ends up making that jump into the professional game? I've heard nothing but positives about Matt Rule. I don't know him that personally. Uh, everybody I've talked to thinks he projects very well into the NFL. Right. Uh, they say you go to his practices, and boy, they're NFL-type practices. Heck, they might be too physical for for uh, the NFL. But, yeah, that's uh, funny you say that because players always say that. And they come to the NFL, they're like, whoa, these practices are a lot easier than they are in college. It's kind of yeah, like the other yeah. way around. You would think it's the other way, but it's not. Yeah, but you know, they all know that they're dealing with smaller rosters and they have to adapt uh, in some ways. But you you can't have soft practices. They can't all be walk through practices and 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 where you're not really having a good thud practice, you know, hitting and and those type of things. You, you know, guys have to learn how to play to the pad levels. And by the way, that goes to the health of the team. Yeah, if they don't sure. learn how to play in their pads, then you're talking about guys who are really more subject to injury. Uh, and part of the problem with the collective bargaining agreement, and I think it's a legitimate thing, and I know I expressed this to the leaders involved at the talks. And I've argued with Jeff Saturday, who was one of the player representatives of that heavily involved in the 2011 labor agreement, is, you know, you guys, uh, you know, you basically gave the owners a bunch of money so you could have more time off, which really doesn't speak to the development of young players especially. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, they've got to resolve that issue uh, going forward. No question about that. Do you when you look at the Giants' coaching search? What do you think of the overall field around? Like, like right, we, we named most of the guys before. I think you said yeah. the enemy, Richard. Uh, there's McCarthy and Josh McDaniels. What do what do you what do you think of that overall field? And look at it maybe in comparison to the last time around when you we looked at some of the names that didn't pan out to be a great class. Right? It was, uh, it was actually McDaniels, Patricia. Uh, um, right. I mean, Pat, obviously. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I think it's a good field. I, I think that there's a little bit different, uh, there's more willingness maybe to look at the co- collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Uh, not automatic, but, you know, Matt's got, at least, Matt Rule has at least some exposure to the NFL. And based on, uh, the challenges he has faced at the collegiate level and the turnaround and, you know, based off everything I hear in terms of the way they practice and the organization, you know, I think they're, you know, those type of guys make this very interesting. You know, you got a guy like Mike McCarthy who's won a Super Bowl, who yeah. has over 600 percentage winning percentage. You can't dismiss that. And a year off, allowing him to kind of regather himself and think about some different approaches. And oh, by the way, when he was in Green Bay, Mike was stuck uh, with an old school general manager himself and Ted Thompson. Yep. You know, as, as Mike evolved from that, I think he, I think he'd probably tell you he has. Uh, so I like this pool of candidates. I do. I do like that part of it. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right fit and then, you know, uh, you know, the ownership and Dave themselves being willing to say, okay, this is definitely our guy. What do we need to do to get him? And I'm not talking about money. Right. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the setup. In, you know, yeah. how much is Dave willing to, to sacrifice or how much are the owners willing to impose upon Dave that, hey, we are, we're, we're going to go ahead and, give this guy here what he wants in terms of the uh, some of the personnel control. But it sounded to me like Dave uh, was willing to, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a team player. Uh, and uh, that's the, what came out of that to me. Did it to you? Yeah. I mean, I got do the you, same feeling. Do you believe it? 
Yeah, I think I think I think Dave shoots straight. I, I do think that. I, I think he realizes he you know he was on the hot seat there, right? And right that he has to make changes in order to get this right. And then there's 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 not a lot of wiggle room anymore. And then if that if this is what it takes for him to do that and to have success here, that that's he'll he's I think I do think he's willing to take it. I don't I don't view him as somebody. Who's sitting there, power hungry, and needs to be the one in charge of everything? So I, I would, I, I'm curious about how Giants ownership looks at it because they've always had this system, right, where personnel yeah. was kind of separated from the coaching staff, and this is going to be this is going to be a whole new world for them. So how do you think they handle that? I, I think that they have to handle it uh, and, and realize what the calendar says. It's now I can't even say it's 2019 anymore. Right, it's, it's 2020. Not. Uh, so I think that that's how they're going to look at it. And I think Steve Tisch, uh, having a voice and, you know, there's some things that Steve has said, uh, either publicly or privately that make sense. Uh, but you know, you still have the football part of it. Listen, this is still about football and you still have to have evaluators of, of football players. I mean, you think about Gettleman. I know this much. He knows running backs. He, he drafted Christian McCaffrey and he drafted Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, does, you know, he's got to find his so-called quote hog mollies. Yeah. And that's got, that's got to get better. I do know, uh, based off reading some of your, uh, post Gettleman uh, press conference reactions that you seem, or the New York media seems to have a problem with the Leonard Williams trade and the explanation for it. And, uh, I found his explanation acceptable. You you think it's worth giving up assets for? I mean, this is where I'm kind of lost. I'll be honest with you. I'm I, for the it's kind of a look see to see to see how he plays and see how he does in a different system. Those are valuable assets. So to me, it's it seems like why would you give up assets to get that for just a, a look at a guy? And then you could well, decide be, if you want to sign him. Obviously, they want to sign him, but there's no guarantee on that. Yeah, but having a guy in your building is a tremendous value. Uh, to, to see how he interacts and sure. see him every day in practice. There's tremendous value to that. Now, I will say this. But there's a price uh, for everything, right? That The question is yeah. whether that, that value is worth a third and, let's say they sign him, fourth-round pick. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty steep price for that look. Well, the fourth-round pick is next year. Yes, uh, but it's, it's still, still a pick. It's, not, right. it's still a pick, which means it's really a fifth-round pick if you go, go to the, right. all you the board. Knock it down right here. But this is a third-round pick, and I will say this. It's uh, to me, he seems to, to have liked him. You know, now I, we all hear Leonard Williams wants a lot of money, and he, right. he's tired of losing. Uh, so he may be a difficult signing, and then you could sit there and you probably can second guess it because what did I say earlier? You've got to find uh, your uh, Michael Strahan's OC or Mayors. You might have to find him in the second round, and Justin Tuck in the third round. And do you have that third round pick to do that if? No, well, I mean, but if you keep Leonard Williams and he and he's only and he's only twenty five years old, that's the other thing that made a lot of sense, to right, for me. But you, to me, you have to, if you like him, you have to find a way to keep him. And, yeah, well, and that that will be the final determination as to whether this is good or bad. That's what it really comes down to. If Leonard Williams plays at the level that they thought he was going to play coming out of the draft, then of course the, the, he'll be worth the value. The the thing is, he hasn't done that. He and now look. I think Leonard Williams is still a good player. There's 32 teams that in the league that would take Leonard Williams on their roster, right? But yes. there's a, but there's a price for everything, and then and, and he hasn't proven to be that real difference maker so far in his career. Maybe the Giants can get that out of him, and if they do, you know what? Dave Gettleman will be right, and he could say and in the he, end, just he, like just like with the Daniel Jones when everyone criticized him, 
it looks like he's going to be right on that one. Not everyone. Not, not Don't throw everyone. Well, I, look, I didn't really criticize him for it either, but I, I'm just saying a lot of people, a lot of people did. And people right. at our yeah, company and different Haskins. companies and around the league. Dwayne, how could you not take Dwayne Haskins? That, that was the, yeah. the view was, was basically it. Or why did you not trade down? You still could have gotten him, which was not true, by the way. Right. Uh, so anyways. But, no, uh, I'm with you on that. Now, to, me, uh, to me on Leonard Williams, uh, I think a lot of times you want a guy who's always going to be putting the quarterback on the ground. That's, yes. you, know, that's not, you want somebody who's going to be disruptive. It's finding those edge guys. You know that's that's important, and obviously, you know that was the part of the controversy of taking Daniel Jones when you had uh, the other kid, uh, Josh Kentucky. Allen. I'm, yeah, yeah, Josh Allen uh, sitting right there. But if you've got your quarterback, you take your quarterback. If that's your guy, you take your guy. I agree, uh, and I said that at the time. I'm with you on that. If you have your quarterback and you think that's the guy, then just take the quarterback. Don't you don't mess with right. that. That's that important position. If he hits on that pick. The rest of the draft almost doesn't matter. It's a successful draft. That's how important that one pick is. That's, uh, yeah. And, I, and I, listen, so when you look at, okay, they, they overspent on Nate Soder, but you're always going to overspend on left tackle. He hasn't played up to it. Uh, you know, they've got to find edge rushers. To me, it's, it's so important for them to find two. It's not one edge rusher. It, it's two edge rushers. Bill Polin will always tell you that. A lot of uh, Bill Parcells will tell you that. you got to have two edge rushers. Uh in my opinion, anyway. Nah, I think you're right, and they'll probably look. They'll probably look in free agency, and they'll probably look in the draft as well. So I have one more for you here, right? This is the yep. question I get all the time. There's, there's a lot of people they like to dream around here, and uh, is there anyone else to watch in this Giants coaching search? And is there any hope, even the slightest bit, that somehow something crazy happens in New England and Bill Belichick finds his way and lands here? That that's. That's the question that that people are just holding out that little sliver, even if it's even if they know it's so slim, that that might be a possibility. I think it's a great question. I don't think it's a good question, and I don't have the answer to it. Right. That, that's the problem. And, is nobody and, does right. <laughs> and, and and Bill's not going to answer. I mean, no. I thought Bill was appropriately. They were talking about you know the whole concept of, of being able. Saber, what could be a final home game for Tom Brady? No, listen, they're locked into winning this game and and winning going forward in the playoffs. But I think it's a I think it's a great question just because we know Belichick's history and fondness for the Giants, a Giants job that he never got. They went to Ray Hanley, as you know, yep. when Parcells left, and uh, at the same time, he's he's a man who certainly savors history and the history of the Giants franchise. And but I've not heard, I've only heard people speculate. Yeah, I've never heard a legitimate piece of information that he would take that job. And this is a different not Giants organization than it was back then. Then Wellington Mara was there at the time, right? right. That, that was his guy. There was there wasn't the dual ownership. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of different people in the Giants organization that uh, you know. I think Bill Belichick didn't necessarily he didn't work with any of these guys to be honest with you. Right? No, and, and to, to be honest with you, maybe John to a degree. Feels, I think Bill feels some of the stain upon his organization may have come because there were people currently in the Giants, uh, you know, uh, organization who, who, uh, helped push that along. You know, some of those, that last investigation on the deflate gate, right? You know, that was not media driven. That right. was driven by other owners who said, Hey, you didn't handle Spygate properly, Roger, uh, Goodell, the commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, let's get somebody independent looking at that thing. Yeah. I think John Mara, 
uh, was certainly among that group. But I don't know how Bill really feels about that, but I, he might factor that in. I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting one, and it's one that at least, you know, keep in the back of your mind and just in case. you never. Knew. That's the beauty of this is we never know how it's going to unfold. And there's something every year that will surprise us that we that you almost didn't even contemplate that's going to happen and play out. And that's why it's, it's a it's a never-ending drama. Chris Mortensen. Jordan, hey, Jordan, by the way, I always like this question. You know, what's going to be the surprise this January right. or February, whatever? I always say, well, if I knew what the surprise was going to be, it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is very true. There's, they always say there's always there's like five or six, seven j- job openings, right, and one that you didn't expect. That's correct. And we haven't had that yet, so you never know. You never know. You never know. Thank you very much. Have a great 2020, Chris, to uh, right, a good. healthy and prosperous year for you and everyone else in your family as well. And to you, too. And I'll uh, see you probably Super Bowl week, uh, I think. I look forward to it. Good deal. Chris Morrison, on to the next one. Ah, yes. It's that time of the program where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in the first of the new year, Giants After Dark. And with that, we're going to start with... John at, at Twitter at J underscore Schmidt. He says, can you give us an update on the coaching search and the likelihood percentage that rule is the next head coach? Okay. So we're, I'm sitting here on Friday. Mike McCarthy is going to interview today. Uh, Chris Richard interviewed on Thursday. I think we have Eric Bienemy and, uh, Don Wink Martindale on Saturday and, uh, Joe Judge, the Patriots. Will be sometime probably. Actually, we don't know if he accepted that yet. But probably be next week. Uh, same with McDaniel's if he accepts that. Which, by the way, I'm not so sure. And you speak to people around the league. So there's a lot of people that doubt that he's going to accept that that interview request. It's like we've heard there has been an interview request, but we haven't heard that he's going to accept the interview. So. That seems to be the lineup. Matt Rule also a little TBD. He's on vacation right now, but I, I, I do think Matt Rule is going to accept the interview request and, uh, probably there and Carolina and then kind of see if he wants to make that jump. I can't put the percentage on anybody really high right now because there's a whole interview process. We'll see how it goes, but maybe like 25%. But I mean, when you're talking about there being right now, what, seven options, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, you know, 25%, 30% puts him as the easy leader. So I, I, I do view Matt Rule as the, as the early leader. I mean, this is just me handicapping the race, my opinions, my gut after talking to people. Uh, so yeah, that, that's where I stand on that. All right. Next question at Mike Sieber from Twitter says, This is question number two, by the way. We're going to do a 10-pack here. Real quick 10-pack. You've been a critic of how this team has been assembled the last two years, and you haven't been wrong. How far away do you believe this franchise is from becoming relevant again? And two, to that point, do you believe DG is the right person, Dave Gettleman is the right person, to turn it around? Uh, Yes, I have been critical of them. I don't don't agree with their way of team building. Uh, I've been a big proponent of this. I, I think they built their team completely the wrong way. They should have rebuilt a couple of years ago. You need to build it more around the passing game and more around stopping the pass. And 
they've tried to build a running game and a power running game, and it's it just it's been a mishmash. So, but I do think they're not that far away because they have money to spend. They have offensive weapons. Now, they need to upgrade the offensive line. We know that. And they need defensive playmakers all over the field. So we'll see how quickly they could do that. But I do think, especially if Daniel Jones makes that jump this week, this, this year, not this week, that would be, that would be a lot, a lot to ask, that this team could be good in a year or two from now. I really do get the right defensive players, but it's going to take a lot of the right moves. And do I think Dave Gettleman is the right person to do the job? I think it will help if he has a new coach pushing him in the right direction because, like I've mentioned before, I I sat there and I talked about it before, the asset allocation and the team building, it just seems to be fly by the seat of the pants. Not the way that I would – I think they're at a disadvantage at times with the way he operates. So maybe a new head coach can help make that right. Uh, Maybe they just get lucky and nail four straight you know, decisions with – Stud players. I, it's always possible. But uh, he's the guy in charge and better get used to it. All right. At Mills 88 says, What do you feel or get a true sense about the direction the Giants want to go in? Offense or defensive head coach? Now with Chase Young out of the picture, we're going to go O-line or linebacker once and, once and for question mark. Okay. Don't really get the end of that, but uh, you get the point. Offensive line, linebacker, or something else. Uh, offense or defense to head coach. In regards to that, I don't think that's necessarily how the Giants are looking at this. I think they're looking at this from, we need a CEO. We need someone to help build a program here. So they're looking for more than anything, a program builder. Last time, it was a little bit more about X's and O's. Somebody, you know, to come in here, uh, to help Eli try and get another two years out of him and, that was we know how we we know how that worked out. But this time, I think that's how it is. And in regards to being with the fourth pick and the position, I don't think you're going to look at it that way. The Giants have too many needs. Now they're not going to draft a running back or a quarterback, probably, or whatever. You know the way that pans out. So I think there's a lot of ways it can go. It can go if it's the best player out of you know linebacker, middle linebacker, or pass rusher, or even cornerback or or offensive line, whichever one of those major top positions has the best player available to them, I think that's where they can go. And it's a strong offensive line draft. So I think that is a distinct possibility that they end up going offensive line with that number four spot. All right. We have a question. Uh, I cut off his name. Uh, I think it was Adin. But what coach do you see fitting best with Gettleman and the direction the franchise needs to go? How much does it help that Gettleman is willing to give up power if necessary? Uh, I think the best coach fitting with Gettleman is Matt Rule. They know each other, obviously, because they work together, even though it was for a year. They worked a bit in the same organization. And Matt Rule apparently has that both, he has that combo of being able to go both old school to a degree and new school. So I think he'll be able to relate to Gettleman in a way in, in regards to, you know, some of the tenants that Dave Gettleman has built on. But yet, at the same time, able to push him in the right direction of the way that he wants to go and the way that he wants to build his team. Because Matt Rule is not going to come in and just let Dave Gettleman buy all the groceries for him. That's not the way it's going to work. He's not going to take his one shot and have that be the case. So that interview with him will be very interesting. Next question. Oh, no, that's not this question. I am sorry about this. That last question, by the way, was Peter F08 from Instagram. I'm sorry. This one is adin.link. He says... 
Any idea if Giants possibly wanted Chris Richards in the building to possibly give him a D.C. job, if not hired as head coach? Yes, that is a distinct possibility. Those kind of things do happen. I think they give him a shot as the head coach, but if that doesn't work out, they also have this information about him as a defensive coordinator. Because remember, Matt Rule, if he comes along, he might not have that defensive coordinator, that defensive head coach. Maybe Chris Richards is that guy. And I don't think the Giants, the Giants won't force coaches on people. They're not going to do that. They're, they're not, they're against that. But what they will do was they will recommend to the coach, say, why don't you interview this guy? You can make your own decision, but interview him. Hear what he has to say. So if they like what they hear from Chris Richard in the interview on Thursday, which I believe they did, then they might say to the next coach, if he's an offensive guy, hey, maybe you should interview this guy, see what you think of him. So next one, at Malls, Mall Season 11 says, Have you heard about the opinions of Daniel Jones by the head coaching candidates? I've spoken to some people, and the impression I came away with that they think very highly of him, and they actually view it as maybe the biggest asset when they come in the building and one of the reasons that they'd want to take the job. So the feeling about Daniel Jones around the league, from coaches, from even executives, is pretty high. I mean, at least my the people that I've talked to, they seem to think pretty highly of Daniel Jones. And it seems to be someone that these people want to work with. So I think that's actually a selling point for the Giants is that they have Daniel Jones the way this is going to work out. At JTG Fan says, It seems during the presses your name was mentioned with exasperation a few times. How much heat do you have with the organization? It's funny that JTG Fan said this because there's been, I had this other question where it said, Gettleman seems to talk nicely to you and have you buttered him up, But I, which I don't think necessarily is the case. But, hey, I'm not the best of friends with Dave Gettleman. We don't have a, 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 we don't have a long-standing relationship. I didn't know him the first time around. So, you know, we have we a normal relationship. I don't think there's anything crazy. And, by the way, this guy hashtagged it with Giants After Dark Flowers and Tatino to his question. So you can see where that one is going. Uh, but, no, I mean, for the most part, I get, think I get along pretty well with most people in the organization. I have an amicable relationship with 99% of the organization. I've said before, probably of more of a relationship with the coaches. You deal with them on a more regular basis, whereas the front office is a little bit uh, separated in ownership as well. But, uh, you know, I haven't had any blow-ups or anything behind the scenes with any of these guys in regards to front office or ownership really ever, except for once with Jerry Reese. He, he took me to task. He didn't, he had a problem with me, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't get that sense. I mean, I think it's just, we're going back and forth to everyone's, uh, passionate about what they do and about what they believe. And that's all it is. I don't think it's anything personal. And if it is, it's not on, it's not personal on my part. So next question at Ange past 10 said, would hiring McCarthy mean the end for Gettleman? I don't think so. I would really doubt that Dave Gettleman's going anywhere. It might mean he would have to cede some of his power or give up some of his power. And that goes for a bunch of coaches. So, uh, yeah, it may be down the line in a year or two. Mike McCarthy would want his own guy in there if, if they didn't work well together, but I don't think. Mike McCarthy is going to come into that interview, and I've spoken to people about this, people who know Mike, and it doesn't seem that he's going to come in and demand that he gets his own GM in there, and this is the way he's going to do it, that if Gettleman's there, he's going to be willing to try and work with that. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. At Mike 
E Mike E C C L A P. Okay. I'm not sure. Mike Mikey C Clap, I guess. All right. Mr. BX seventy four says Continue here, he, Gettleman never went back to 49ers for Odell, but yet no one ever says they were going to give up the second pick. If you are so convinced they had a better deal for Odell, how would they beat the Browns' offer if they weren't to give up the second pick? See, that's the thing. This is all irrelevant. Okay? Who knows if he was going to give up the second pick? We Nobody knows that. There's no way to know that. Let's just say he wasn't. Okay, which is the likelihood. And I probably think they probably weren't, they, they weren't going to give up the second pick. But what is the downside? For me, and I've said this a thousand times, it's about the way you conduct business. That's what scares me. And if you're conducting business, why wouldn't you at least go and say, hey, here's the offer we have. Can you beat this? Maybe they get desperate and offer the two pick. Maybe. Maybe it's a 1% chance. But why not take that 1% chance? There's no downside. Literally none. So that's what it's about. It's not about whether the, the 49ers were definitely giving them a better deal. But no, the 49ers really wanted to do it. So if you did back them into a corner and you said, we have this deal, we're going to make this trade unless you significantly up your offer, maybe they come back with something. Maybe they come back with something that intrigues you. You never know. But if you don't ask, you'll never know. And it's a bad way to conduct business. At J.M. Silberman says, I think this is the last question, right? This is number 10. J.M. Silberman asks, it seemed the 2018 draft class either took a step back or at minimum didn't progress as expected. Do you think that's a coaching issue? Or does the blame go back to the choice to draft them, particularly Will Hernandez, B.J. Hill, and Lorenzo Carter, but even Saquon to a degree? I think it's probably a combination a little bit. Uh, but for most part, I think it goes back to the expectations for them were too high entering year two. Just because they were playing year one and giving, like, same as the guys this year. So many guys were playing. Just because Corey Ballantyne's playing doesn't mean he's any good. And that they didn't have anybody better to put in for Corey Ballantyne. So because, you know, B.J. Hill was playing, he fell into a couple sacks. Go look at his sacks. There was a couple of them. I think he ended up at five and a half. Three of them weren't like him with these great plays. So just by being on the field, he he got he had these numbers, and then people all of, thought, all of a sudden thought he was going to be this difference maker. I don't think that was realistic. Will Hernandez as well. He played okay for a rookie, kind of like Eric Flowers did. Better, obviously, a little bit to a degree. But he played okay for a rookie last year. So you thought, okay, he's going to be this great player. No. He, he graded out almost pretty much the same as he did, did both years so far. Now, would you have hoped he improved? Yes. He insists he's a better player, but same thing. Lorenzo Carter. Never anything with Lorenzo Carter that should have told you this guy's going to be a number one difference maker. A guy that other teams are putting their attention to. That was an unrealistic expectation. So to me, that was the biggest problem. They didn't grow as much as you would like, but sometimes it takes guys longer to grow as well. So, I don't really know what to make of it. We'll see going forward. I think for the most part, it's because of the actual player, not necessarily because of the coaching. But the jury's out on that. And with that, that's the end of this Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Let's wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'll give you a little Jordan on the beat of what it's like, the coaching search. 
is I remember last time when – not last time, two times ago. Was, hey, these things are kind of blending together, which is never a good thing when they're that close together. Uh, when they hired Ben McAdoo, the way it all went down is you. I was in Houston. There was an NFL owners meeting, so I was talking to Steve Tisch and John Mara, and they said, "I said, yeah, when you, you know, give me an idea when you think this this coaching search is going to wrap up." And I think it was like a Thursday or so at the time. And I said, "Oh, it's going to wrap up uh, probably. Like, we'll probably have a coach by the end of next week." Okay, so basically like a week from when I'm talking to them, I fly home later that day. The Eagles in this time requested a second interview with McAdoo. It expedited the process. Next thing you know, things are moving. I'm driving home from the airport and someone texts me, yo, they're going to hire McAdoo. Right? So this thing went down and it moved quickly. Real quickly. So that's kind of how coaching searches work. And I'm sitting there on the side of the road trying to confirm it. And then, and nobody within the Giants would confirm it for me. So I got beat on the scoop. It didn't go over well with me. I was definitely pissed. And uh, that's how the coaching search worked. So, yeah, just a little idea of how these coaching searches work sometimes and how they could pick up steam and how you as a reporter are on notice, you know, pretty much 24-7 for however long until they hire a head coach. And that's what it's going to be right now. It's Friday afternoon at 1230. I will now sleep, and I have for the last three or four days, I sleep with my phone next to my bed just in case Something happens in the middle of the night. You never know. I mean, I get texts at ridiculous times in the morning. Last night, or this morning, actually, I was getting texts. I got a couple texts at 4 o'clock in the morning from people. That's how this works, this business. And let me tell you, my wife doesn't like it. The fact that you could be like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'll, I should be around all day today. And the next thing you know, you're not around at all. You're called to do something. That's just how it works. And you have to get used to it. And coaching searches is one of those times. Reporters don't love coaching searches. But that's it in this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I hope this was a good one. Hope we touched on a lot of your topics. And I hope this is going to be an amazing 2020 for all of you, for me, and for this Breaking Blue Big Blue podcast, right? And make sure you tell everyone, tell your friends, hey, if your friend's a giant fan and they're not listening to this, they're missing out. You know it. I know it. They don't know it. So it's your job to help me out in that regard. You can find us on... You know, everywhere you could catch a podcast, we're there. You know, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, ESPN app. You know, that ESPN app, it's a great one. You should use it. Listen to this podcast there. That's a great idea. You know, everywhere you can get it. Google, you know where you get your podcast. Hopefully, and I know some of you have complained that this podcast wasn't uh, uploading or updating on the Apple iTunes podcast. I promise you we're looking into that. If it's still a problem, let me know. We're going to try and make it right. And that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>